Hey, y'all, welcome to Black People Parenting, the podcast where we have conversations with Black folks about raising Black children. I'm your host, Glad Dad and family engagement expert, Dion. And today we're discussing everyone's not-so-favorite subject, child support. It's an important issue that affects millions of parents and children all across the world. So I think it's important that we tackle it, discuss it, and talk about it. But before we get in too deep, I want to say that I'm not an attorney, I'm not a lawyer. And if you have any questions about child support or custody or anything of that nature, you need to connect with uh, a family law attorney because they can provide you with the guidance and the support that you need to, to help you navigate this complex legal process. So make sure you get with a good family law attorney if you have any questions about anything that I'm discussing in this episode. So let's define what child support is. So in a legal sense, Child support is a payment made by one parent to another for financial support of their mutual children. So this payment is typically made when the parents don't live together and one parent has primary custody of the children. Right. So the payments are typically ordered by a court as a part of a divorce or a separation agreement or a custody agreement, uh, or they can be voluntarily agreed upon by both parties involved. So the amount of child support that an individual pays, it's usually determined by a number of factors. Those factors can include uh, the income of both parents, uh, the number of children that both parents are responsible for, whether they are together or individually, uh, the custody arrangement. But most states use the term custodial and non-custodial parents when defining the role of each parent. I don't really like those terms. I think they are divisive. I think they do more hurt than harm. So I'm going to try to use the term co-parent during our time together. I may use uh, paying parent or non-paying parent, something like that. Now, in some cases, a parent may be required to pay a percentage of their income in child support. In other cases, a flat fee may be agreed upon by both parents, but we'll get into that a little bit later. So the purpose of child support is to ensure that the children of separated of divorced parents are provided for financially, right? It should help to cover the cost of things like food and housing, clothing, and other necessities. But if you're anything like me and you've been involved in a child support case, then you know that it can be a very contentious issue for many parents. Some may feel that they're paying too much, while others may feel that they are not receiving enough, right? The one thing that all involved parties should remember when it comes to child support is that the focus is supposed to be on the well-being of the child or children. And that is what child support is intended to help provide uh, for the needs of the children. Right. So let's talk about how child support is determined, because I think that's important. I think there are some some misconceptions around that. Uh, well, child support is typically determined as a part of a divorce or separation agreement. Um, in most states, they're guidelines, right? So these guidelines are usually in place to help determine the appropriate amount of child support that is going to be paid. The guidelines take into account the cost of living in the area where the child resides, as well as the needs of the child, such as um, health care, education, and other expenses. And it's important to understand that uh, the income of both parents is also a key factor in determining child support. So the court or the parents may issue uh, a formula, right? There's a formula that they use to calculate the appropriate amount of support based on the income of both parents. And the number of children involved is also included in that formula. 
Some states use a percentage of income model, while others use a more just a more complex formula that takes into account a variety of factors. So oftentimes the amount of child support that is paid or received is directly connected to the state that the case is heard in. For example, if I live, let's say, in New York and I had a custody case that was based in Georgia where my child was living, then my child support case would be based on Georgia guidelines, not New York guidelines. That makes sense. So it's important to note that the the well-being of the child should be the top priority in all child support cases. The court or the parents may consider any special needs of the child, such as uh, things like medical expenses, educational costs, things like that, when determining the amount of child support that's going to be paid. So let's talk about how paying and enforcing child support works, because I find that a lot of folks don't really have a full understanding of the, the payment and the enforcing of child support. There are some things that I want to clear up for some folks. So there are a few different ways that child support can be paid. Some parents choose to make payments directly to each other, right? While others may prefer to use a state-run child support agency to handle those payments. And if the parents are unable to come to an agreement on how child support should be paid, or let's say if one parent is not making their required payments, the court may order that uh, the payments be made through wage garnishments. This means that the payments are automatically uh, deducted from the paying parent's paycheck, whether it be uh, monthly or biweekly, just depends on the, the way that the order is set up. Now, in some cases, parents may choose to set up a payment plan that allows for a little bit more flexibility in uh, how and when those payments are made. So this could be a good option for parents who are self-employed or parents who might have irregular income uh, or parents who might have uh, who might be a part of the gig economy. So if, if a parent works for Uber, drives for Uber or a food delivery driver or uh, any other freelance worker, that could be a good option for them. So child support orders are typically enforced through a combination of legal and administrative methods. If the child support paying parent doesn't make the required payments, the receiving parent can take several steps to try and force the court order. And it's important to know that you have to have a court order in place in order to receive child support. And I'll talk about that a little bit later also. But one option is to go back to the court and ask the judge to enforce the order. Now, the court may then issue a judgment against the paying parent and order them to pay the overdue amount. Right. If the parent still doesn't pay, uh, the court may take further actions. So those further actions could be garnishing the paying parents' wages, uh, suspending uh, their driver's license. It could be putting a lien on property. It could be uh, an extreme case like sending the parent to jail. Now, if the receiving parent wanted to take uh, a non-legal approach, they could try a child support enforcement agency, which is, again, a government agency that helps enforce the child support orders. The agency can take various actions to try to collect the overdue child support, almost like a collection agency. They can uh, withhold tax refunds. They can uh, suspend a prof professional license. So if it's a doctor or a lawyer, they can suspend their licenses. Uh, they can report the debt to the credit bureau. So that uh, paying parent would then be responsible to uh, seeing for seeing those things on their credit report. Right. So and I've heard lots of arguments for and against the system that is currently in place. But despite how you or I may feel about child support, there are many misconceptions that I think should be cleared up. So I think there are a lot of myths that go on and that we don't know about and just kind of 
linger around us. And I think it's important that we clear those things up. So the first myth that I want to discuss is that when you give the other parent cash, when one parent gives another parent cash or they buy things like clothes or diapers with no court order in place, that you're paying child support. Let's be clear. That's not paying child support, fam. Those are voluntary payments and arrangements that you have set up. The difference is that once a judge signs their name to a court order to say that this person has to pay this amount of money every month and it gets stamped, that's child support. That's a legal obligation and not just a voluntary payment. And neglecting that legal obligation can lead to consequences, like I mentioned earlier. So I think it's important to really understand that there's a difference between the two, especially if you are preparing to or or in the middle of uh, a, a child support case. Right. So, again, once a court order is in place, you are legally required to abide by it while it's in place. And that leads me to the uh, the second myth, myth number two. A lot of folks think that the amount of child support that has been ordered is set in stone and it can never be modified. And I've talked to a lot of people, mainly brothers who feel as though they are are just bound by the amount of child support they have been ordered to pay, uh, even when their financial circumstances have changed. I was talking to a guy in the barbershop recently and he had three kids with his ex-wife and he had recently lost his job and he had started to fall behind on his payments and didn't know that he was able to go to the courts and request a modification based on a change in his finances. It's called a change in circumstances modification. And I want y'all to hear me loud and hear me clear when I say this. The amount of child support that is being paid can be modified. It can be changed under certain circumstances, whether it be a change in income, a change in your custody agreement. Those things can definitely uh, affect the uh, amount of child support that you pay. So let's say, for example, if uh, you went from spending 60 nights a week with your child and your, to your child spending 183 nights a year with you, right? You could go to the court and request a modification based on the fact that your child is now spending more time with you and you are responsible for more of their care. But you've got to understand that it's not going to automatically just change by itself. So losing your job doesn't automatically disqualify you from paying child support. And I hear a lot of people say that. But if there is a change in your circumstances, you have to first educate yourself and be diligent about petitioning the courts for a change in your court order, your child support order. So if you lost your job or your hours have been cut or uh, or anything that, 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 that has happened to affect your finances, you can go to the courts and request a modification. But you also have to understand that if you have uh, started gaining more income, the other parent has the right to go to court and request a modification as well based on your change of income. But it's important to know that you can request a change if your circumstances have changed. Usually that entails something like going to the court, filling out a petition for a child support modification. I've done it. And trust me, it's it, it, it's not as intimidating as you might think, but it is going to take some work. And I think everyone should know that you are responsible for going in and letting them know that your income have changed. Myth number three is that the support uh, payments have to go towards specific things that the child needs. The fact is that once the parent has that money in their account, each parent who receives that, the other parent can't delegate how that money is spent. And now, hopefully, the the funds are being spent on things that are uh, you know needed by the child. But there's no law that stipulates that what 
uh, for what the child support has to actually go to. So the custodial parent also doesn't have to prove what the funds were used for. Now, this is a point of frustration for a lot of people because they feel like they should have some uh, some say so in how that money is being used. And I'll keep it 100 with you as somebody who has been through it. I don't disagree. I think there needs to be a better system of checks and balances when it comes to child support. I think it would ease some of the tension between parents. And I think it would allow for the non-custodial parents to have assurance that they aren't just blindly paying into a system that is only there to take money from them. Right. Because most times that's what it feels like. And I know that everybody won't agree with that, but I think everyone's experience is is different when it comes to dealing with child support. My experience is different in yours. Your experience is different in his. His experience is different in hers. Uh, but even though my experience, in my opinion, was horrible, I made sure that I did my best to educate myself on my rights as a parent so that I would be knowledgeable about my case every time something came up. So as the uh, the paying parent, you don't get to decide what money goes to what needs, but you can make sure that your child does have their basic needs uh, being met. Things like food, clothes, shelter, electricity, but also consider things like health care, extracurricular activities, um, braces, things like that, because those are the things that are oftentimes overlooked when you think about what child support is going towards. So myth number four was a lesson that I had to learn the hard way. Um, if two parents have joint physical custody, nobody has to pay. Now, that's the myth. And I think it's important to know that there's a difference between joint physical and joint legal custody. So let me explain. Joint physical custody also uh, can be referred to as shared physical custody or shared residential custody. Uh, that means that the child spends a substantial amount of time living with both parents and they share an equal amount of responsibility in caring for that child. Joint legal custody is the alternative to joint physical custody, whereas the parent shares the responsibility of making major changes and decisions pertaining to the child. Things like medical decisions, educational decisions, you know, where they're going to go to school, things like that. So even if two parents share physical custody and day to day responsibilities uh, of caring for that child, many states will not allow that to negate a child support order. But it's also important to find out what model your state uses for calculating child support, like we discussed earlier, because it could be uh, one of two methods, whether it's in, uh, the income shares model, where they use both parents income and the number of children to come up with uh, a support calculation or the percentage of income model where the court determines the obligation by using a percentage of one parent's income. So that's important to know. But there are factors that contribute to what that order looks like and who's required to pay. Some of the factors are uh, the number of nights that the child spends with each parent, the income of both parents, the number of other children in each household. All of those things are taken into account even when there is a shared physical uh, custody court order. So the fact is that even if you have a shared physical custody agreement, you could still be required to pay child support. Uh, but again, refer to your state's guidelines, refer to uh, family law attorneys in your state to get more information on that. Uh, myth number five, child support automatically stops when the child turns 18. While there was a time when this was true, laws have since changed and things are a bit more complicated now. In many states, if a child is attending uh, high school when they turn 18, 
the co-parent is still obligated to pay child support until that child graduates, unless the child has failed or dropped out of school. But if that were the case, payment would end at the age of 20. And I've heard of some rare situations where um, child support was ordered to continue until the end, uh, until the child graduated from college. But that's not something that I've heard of happening very often. And I think those were a different set of circumstances than what I'm discussing here. So, for example, my oldest uh, turned 18 this year and I received a letter from child support enforcement uh, letting me know that my obligation had been met. And they also sent me a check for two cents. I'm not <laughs> I'm not joking. They literally sent me a check for two cents. It wasn't worth the paper it was written on. And I don't know if I if they owed it to me or if someone just had a really sick sense of humor. But after 18 years, I was excited to know that my obligation had been fulfilled. And eventually I'm going to take that two cent check and I'm going to put it in a frame and uh, use it as a keepsake. <laughs> So let's wrap things up just a little bit. Put a bow on everything. Number one, cash payments do not equal child support. Make sure your payments and purchases are not only documented, but covered under a court order that has been declared by a judge. I can't stress the importance of that. Uh, number two, child support orders can be modified, but I don't want you to go out here and quit your job just so you can get a, a lower payment because that's not going to do anything but harm you and harm your children or child in the long run. So make sure you are gainfully employed. Make sure you're doing everything that you can do to stay employed. Uh, number three, if you are the paying parent, when you make those child support payments, you don't get to decide what the money is used for. And your co-parent isn't obligated to give you a record of how the money was used. Number four, joint physical custody doesn't necessarily mean that there won't be a child support order. But in many states, the amount of time the child spends with each parent has a direct effect on the amount of support that's being paid. Right. And I want to make sure I make that clear. Um, don't be afraid to count the number of overnight uh, overnight stays that your child has with you. Like that is going to be a, a huge factor in your child support. Number five, it's possible for child support to continue after the child turns 18. Most times it just depends on when the child is graduating from high school. I can't stress it enough. It's imperative that you know your rights as a parent, but also just as important to ensure that your child or children uh, get both the financial and emotional support that they need to survive. If you have any questions on uh, child support or if you need assistance with a child support case, a child support order, it's always a good idea to speak with a family law attorney. They can provide you with the guidance and support that you need to, to just to help you navigate this often complex legal process. All right. So that's it for this episode. Be sure to like, share and subscribe. Uh, make sure you find us on all social platforms at Black People Parenting. You can follow me at Glad Dad Dion. And I will see y'all next time right here inside of the Black People Parenting Podcast. Peace. Hey, are you looking for new and innovative ways to connect with your children? Do you want to learn how to connect with them through hip hop, social media and popular culture? Then look no further than my company, The Glad Dad. I'm Dion, a keynote speaker, professional development trainer and workshop presenter. And I'm also an expert in family engagement. And I want to show you and everyone around you how to use the latest trends to connect with young people on a much deeper level, a level that will truly break down barriers and create change. 
By working with the Glad Dad, you'll learn how to break through the noise and meet young people where they are to connect with them on their level. You'll discover new ways to communicate, engage, and create meaningful connections that'll last a lifetime. Whether you're a parent, teacher, or youth leader, I want to teach you the strategies that'll help you connect with your kids like never before. From keynote speeches to professional development training, I got you covered. So don't wait any longer. Visit my website, DionChavis.com today to learn more about how I can help you connect with your children through hip-hop, social media, and popular culture. Your kids will thank you for it. That's right, the Glad Dad, helping adults establish positive relationships with young people. Reach out to me today and let's discuss how I can serve you and your staff. Now let's get back to the podcast.